Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back, aficionados. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. Now, for today's story, imagine that you are one of the most skilled people in the world at a particular craft. You even have a sense of humility about it. But you know that you have a gift that makes you better at this thing than nearly everyone else in the world. Now let's also imagine that you have virtually nowhere in which to pursue this craft. And then very suddenly, your ability to do this thing is taken away. Well, that's what today's story is about. Today, we're going to talk about Cheryl Miller, arguably the greatest women's basketball player ever. The sad ending to her playing career came at the age of 24 when she suffered a career-ending knee injury at the 88 Olympic tryouts. As a basketball fan, it's tough to think about the fact that we didn't get to see her play more. It would be like watching Michael Jordan suffer a career-ending injury after just two or three years in the NBA. That's how good she was. But let me take you back to the beginning of her story. She was born in Riverside, California on January 3rd, 1964. And she was born into an extremely athletic family. Her older brother, Daryl Miller, became a professional baseball player. He was a catcher for the California Angels for nearly 10 years. Her younger brother, Reggie Miller, played professional basketball for the Indiana Pacers. Her skill with the basketball was incredible. She was a prodigy in the true sense of the word. She had skills beyond her years. When she was in middle school, she wanted to try out for the school team. Now here in the United States, what we call middle school is for students between the ages of 11 and 13. But you see, the school she went to didn't have a girls basketball team. They only had a boys team. So she signed up to play on the boys team. But the coach would not hear of it. A girl playing on the boys team? It would be an embarrassment. At least that's the way the coach thought. So Cheryl made him a deal. She offered to play the team's best player, who also happened to be the coach's son. And if Cheryl could beat him in a one-on-one matchup, then she could be on the team. If she couldn't beat him, then she would walk away and never bother the coach again. So the coach was up for it. He sets up the game between his own son and Cheryl Miller. And she beat the coach's son, 21 to one. And the coach still wouldn't let her join the team. He would not allow the best player at the school to be on the team only because she happened to be a girl. It's shameful behavior on the part of the coach. So the best basketball games that she could find 
was playing pickup at the park with the guys. She and her brother Reggie liked to challenge others to two on two and absolutely destroy the competition. And that's where she honed her skills. Their father had set up a basket in the backyard which she could perfect her moves, but the park is where she could test those moves in actual competition. When she was old enough, she attended Riverside Poly High School and they did have a girls team. And she averaged around 46 points per game for the entire four years she was at the high school or secondary school as some countries call it. Now included in that was a game where her team won by a score of 179 to 15. And out of those 179 points, Cheryl Miller scored 105 of them all by herself setting a new American high school record for girls basketball. And one of those baskets was a dunk. The first ever dunk on record by a female on a 10-foot basket. And girls basketball back then was only a 32-minute game. This means that she scored all 105 of those points inside of 32 minutes. She was a four-time All-American and a four-time state champion at the high school level. She absolutely dominated the competition. She was the most sought-after player in the country. Every university in the United States that had a women's basketball team wanted Cheryl Miller on their team. She was leaning toward UCLA because it was close to where she grew up and her family would be able to come and see her play. But that's when she got a visit from the McGee twins. The McGee twins are Paula and Pamela McGee. They were a pair of six foot three All-American sisters who had just finished their second year of college basketball at the University of Southern California, or USC. They told Cheryl that USC was already considered the number two team in the country without her. But with her, they would certainly be the number one team in the country and a sure bet to win the national championship. Cheryl kind of hesitated because she really wanted to go to UCLA. But then they threw down their last argument. They said that they had two more years to play at the university level. Cheryl could either play with them for two years or against them for two years. You see, UCLA and USC are both in Los Angeles and they play each other at least twice a year. Now throw in the fact that Cynthia Cooper, a future All-American and future Hall of Famer, had already committed to joining USC. This means that USC would potentially have four All-Americans on the same college team. Well, that's all Cheryl needed to hear. She was headed to USC. And we'll get more into that part of the story right after this break. Well, welcome back, and now let's get on with Cheryl Miller's college career. With her on the squad, alongside Cooper and the McGee twins, USC wins the next two national championships in dominating fashion. They were an absolute force. They had arguably the best player in the country at four out of the five positions. After those two championships, the McGee twins moved on to play some professional basketball in Europe which is where the only significant women's professional leagues existed. The WNBA would not start for another 10 years in the United States. 
Now, on a quick side note before we move on, Pamela McGee is the mother of JaVale McGee of the NBA and Imani McGee Stafford of the WNBA. So again, height runs in their family and a very athletic family at that. So back to Cheryl Miller's story. After four years at USC, Cheryl would be named an All-American all four years. And she would graduate from USC as the school's all-time leader in points, rebounds, assists, blocked shots, steals, field goals made, and free throws made. Have you ever heard of one player dominating their school's record book like that? She almost sounds like a player that was created in a laboratory. Now, here is where the story takes an unfortunate turn. In 1987, this was after she had graduated, she was playing some pickup basketball on campus at USC and was playing against some of the football players. And by that, I mean American football. At one point, she drives to the basket and one of the football players had fallen over in front of her. Cheryl jumped over the player and when she landed on the other side, she felt her knee pop. And it didn't hurt that much, but it definitely felt like something was wrong. So she limped over to the training room and had the trainer take a look at her knee. As the trainer is trying to manipulate her knee, her face suddenly goes white. And Cheryl asks, what's wrong? The trainer says, you tore your ACL. Your playing career is over. Had this happened 10 years later, her career could have been able to continue after surgery and rehab. But the medical knowledge at the time just wasn't there yet. At the age of 22, she was effectively finished. Now, she hadn't realized it yet. She tried to make a valiant effort by trying out for the 1988 Olympic team, but could not make a go of it. She re-injured her knee and by the age of 24 had played her last competitive game. She then turned to coaching at USC and also went into broadcasting where she worked for the TNT channel for 17 years covering NBA basketball. While the viewers may not have known who Cheryl Miller was as a player, the NBA players knew who she was and there was a deep level of respect for her. You can always tell when an NBA player is just giving you standard pat answers like, let's take it one game at a time or we really had to bring the energy tonight. But when they were talking to Cheryl Miller, you could tell they were in a genuine conversation. When they were being interviewed by a former player or coach, their demeanor changes and their answers are most honest. And when they were interviewed by Cheryl Miller, their answers were always well thought out. To the players, she was one of them. She was one of the two greats who played basketball at a level that even some of them have never reached. They knew they were in the company of greatness. One thing that I've observed is that when you get some of the most skilled people from a variety of arenas together, you can sense a certain level of respect whether it's athletics, artists, industrialists, performers. Greatness always recognizes and respects greatness. And that's what you had when these NBA players were talking to Cheryl Miller. When the WNBA did come around, Cheryl Miller should have been one of the players if she were healthy. But they definitely wanted to keep her and bring her into the league, so she was hired by the Phoenix Mercury to be their very first head coach. She was only 31 years old and would have still been in her prime 
if healthy. If everything had gone as planned, she should have been the MVP of the league that first season. But in a weird twist, the MVP of the league that very first season was her old college teammate, Cynthia Cooper, who had been honing her skills in Italy for the last 10 years. She had a very mature game and was ready to compete against anyone. Even though she was done playing at the age of 22, she was already considered the greatest women's player of all time. That's pretty much consensus. There was virtually no debate about it. When people watched her play for the first time, it was as if you had been watching basketball in black and white and suddenly you were seeing it in color. At 6 foot 2 or 188 centimeters, she was as tall as any of the tallest players in the game at the time. But she had moves and dribbling skills of a small guard. Now imagine somebody playing with Iverson's flair, but in the body of Giannis. That's kind of what it was like with Cheryl Miller. She possessed every skill a basketball player could ask for. She could play all five positions at an elite level. And that was enough for her to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1995. Ten years later, her brother Reggie was also inducted into the Hall of Fame, making them the only brother and sister combination to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And when Reggie was giving his speech, he said, it's so special to have the three greatest basketball players of all time in the room right now. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Cheryl Miller. It's too bad to see greatness cut short. It's somewhat of a theme with this podcast, but there is a purpose for it. When you look back at episode 12 on Bill Walton or episode 3 on Marvin Barnes, both of these stories have a theme of greatness cut short or greatness unfulfilled. But that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. I want to make sure that we do not forget these great players. These ones that should have had great careers but were cut short either because of injury or other circumstance. I want to keep those stories alive and make sure those players stay in the conversation of the all-time greats. They deserve to be there. And many of these players don't have a lot of video on them, so the only place to find their stories are in books or articles. Relatively few people today remember Cheryl Miller's playing career, and that's a shame. And if you want to know a little bit more of her story, there is a one-hour documentary about her called The Women of Troy, which focuses on her impact on the game of basketball. It will leave you with a whole new respect for Cheryl Miller. Well, that's our story for today. Join us next time as we cover five more NBA nicknames and how they came to be. We'll talk about the New Orleans Pelicans, the Memphis Grizzlies, and we'll also go through the Texas Triangle, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, and the San Antonio Spurs. That's next time on Basketball History 101. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey! 
Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.